Well, <laughs> all right, I guess. <laughs> okay, um, I am definitely doing pretty good today. I'm so happy to hear it. Isn't it different when you can hear yourself feel a little bit more Maybe that's why everybody in like radio business and talk shows and stuff always sounds so sultry because you have like just this ability to hear your own voice at exactly. all times. Exactly. And it's soothing. Yeah. Like, see how I can't even focus on what I'm saying because I'm like, what is my voice? <laughs> <sound like?" laughs> No, but I'm so glad you're here. I This is an exciting endeavor. We're in a new space, uh, probably better for you, the listener, uh, audio-wise. We upped our game. I utilized some opportunities that I had available to me. Yes. Get it going. Get her going. This (laughs) is why I'm gay. This is why I'm gay. The only place to find... Your nightmares from gay time. I thought you were really going to lapse into a commercial <laughs> right there. Like, I thought you were just going to... The only station which gives you everything. There's been so much for us so far on the show. I'm feeling great. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty um, excited and uh, hopeful for the future. Hopeful, yes. Um, I'm very confident in our success. I don't know about you. Eh, so here's the thing. Like, I I think I could fully do this knowing that we, like, the reach of this is, like, three whole people. Okay, and, yeah. Like, if they're stoked about it, I'm like, cool. Because, I don't know, I hate, um, I hate that, like, that mentality that people have these days where, like, all my side hustles have to make me money. And if they don't have that value, therefore, they are not valuable at all. And I think that's bullshit. Preach. I just want to have a good time with my friend. And uh, I think this is accomplishing that for me. So, so be it. Well, I need money and fame. (laughs) Hello, Warner Brothers. I'm here. No, I completely agree with that also. Like, I love all aspects of it. I mean, but if it makes me money. Right. If there's a little extra something, something at the end of the week, we're not going to say no to the check. Sure, sure, sure. This is why I'm gay. We take the, ch- what is it? We take the cash, we, we cash the, the check, check, we show them what they want to see. <sighs> I think that is a, a perfect seg into our, um, into our weekly obsessions in referencing the one and only showgirls. Oh my God. I'm so happy this is your, <laughs> I, I already kind of know what it is because we've talked this week about something similar, but I need to know. I'm ready. What's my weekly obsession this week? It's a curveball because it's not Showgirls, though I have been thinking about Showgirls a lot this week. Like you've been thinking about it since I showed you a month ago. It's it's been that long, and it's still in like my wheelhouse of daily thoughts, where I'm just like, it's visceral still. I wonder what Elizabeth Berkeley's doing (laughs) right now. (laughs) Where is Gina Garshon, and is she nude? Yeah, on top of a volcano. Well, I think I did, darling. We're all wait. <laughs> We're all whores, darling. That's what I meant to say. Jeez, Louise. Okay, I'm not a whore. All right, I'm ready. Session. Yeah, bring it. Okay, bring it. You're you're really you're you're gonna be back. You're gonna love it. Um, my weekly obsession this week is Imogen Heap's album "Speak for Yourself." <laughs> Um, Again, for like the 17th time, right? I mean, 
it's important. I feel like I could I could base an entire episode just talking about Imogen Heap as an artist because oh god, I, I think she is a pioneer. I mean, she's got those those gloves. <laughs> she created musical technology to create music with her hands. With like different motions. With motion in your hands. Yeah, it's like it's like a Wiimote, but how, way cooler. <laughs> how did she not win a Nobel Prize already? That's did she? Let's actually fact check that because I don't. I think, hope she won some sort of award. I don't know, but I think she was she was widely lauded for that um, technological achievement. Oh yes. Um. So speak for yourself is. A fucking amazing album. <laughs> yeah, except not that. Um, it was, what was it, 2005 or 2006? I don't know. Um, but I was probably in sixth grade when this album came out. It's incredible. It has a delightful array of bangers. I'm also excited because I have a really good gay memory with this one of the songs on this album. Tell me, tell me about it. I want to hear it. You want to hear mine first? Oh, of course. Okay. So growing up, my mom and I watched a lot of reality television together. Uh-huh. Mostly Bravo, of course, but we watched a lot of like competition shows. Okay. America's Next Time Model, Project Runway. Sure. But we loved this show, So You Think You Can Dance. <laughs> okay. Dance. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? I, oh, I do, yeah. I was obsessed. The music that they chose for the songs were always hitting when I was growing up. I was like, what are these ethereal, whimsical, and also frightening songs that they yeah. keep choosing? <laughs> One of which was <laughs> The Moment I Said It. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Moment I Opened My Mouth. That's a good one. They cut it down into like this minute and a half, like all the intense parts of the song. And they did a dance routine with the whole cast, like 16 people. And my little gay, they were like in chills, honey, tattered clothing. They were like white Greek goddess, gods and goddesses. And they were like jumping around like little fucking beans. And I was just like, I was so shook by everything about it. Did you ever as a kid, like, you would watch something like that that would be so exciting? Like, it would, like, it, you would get pumped up. Yes. Like, you would be standing up. You'd, like, you would be, like, standing up doing karate in your living room to, like, the intro to, like, Rocket Power. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I did that a lot. And nothing else mattered. You were the only thing in the world performing for all of your fans. Yes. <laughs> that song, I was, like, I okay, so when I was... At that age, we had TiVo in both rooms, and we wow, living large. We got it crazy with the speaker system and the TV system. It was never not on point. Okay, Mm -hmm. my dad knew what he was doing. In the secondary room, we also had a TiVo, but that was where my mom watched all her episodes, her things with me. It was like the study, our special time. Tell me why I didn't have that recording of that episode like up on the TiVo for years (laughs) after. I just need to watch the moment I said it again. Literally, before (laughs) YouTube was a huge thing, I mean, it was on the brink and I didn't really like get technology then. So I just like always went back to the TiVo episode. And then, of course, it got deleted once randomly and I my whole life was over. I had a meltdown. (laughs) While YouTube was perfectly accessible, I was still shook. But that's that's the one special. That's the first memory I have with Miss Imogen. Mm. I think for me, the first the first time I kind of came across her was when she was um, a part of that musical duo, Fru Fru. 
and she did the cover. Okay, yeah. Yeah, she did the cover of um, Holding Out for a Hero at the end of Shrek 2. Stop! (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so she did that cover, and that was when I was like, who the hell is this? And I bought that CD. I have the Shrek 2 soundtrack on CD. She sang a cover of it in the movie? Oh, it's so... It, it was in, like, the end credits. It's Stop. really good. She, her voice is in things you just don't even know sometimes. Her voice is also so delightfully strange. It Okay, she walked so, like, seven girls in PC oh, culture totally. right now could run. Miss Caroline? Uh, oh, yeah. Hello? And we have not one, but two excellent excellent covers of songs from speak for yourself so we have kelly clarkson she covered just for now on her christmas album stop she made it a christmas song and it's good and then she kelly clarkson don't not no. kelly clarkson. she is a stunner okay um, we're gonna have to have a whole separate conversation about that yeah and then <laughs> ariana grande good night and go i'd have to be so cute that's a cover. Okay, I love that you told me about that song, and then you're like, it's actually... A co- <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, it's a cover by Ariana Grande, the song by Imogen Heap. But yeah, we got we got a couple bangers in there. So there's like there's some filler tracks. They're not my favorite. Um, I think I kind of pick and choose through her music. But we get Just For Now, Hide and Seek. Hide and Seek is... is Another thing. You're, there's so many connections with Imogen Heap with my life, too. We did Hide and... You're going to... You're gonna, actually laugh out loud we did hide and seek for the mid song in our marching band routine god damn it <laughs> i played the flute I just wanted you to have that information yeah. and continue. No. Hide and seek. One of my, it's so beautiful. She wrote it in her bedroom. Nice. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. She wrote the whole thing in like an hour in her bedroom on like GarageBand, something or other. Um, or whatever was there before that. I think this, like the, the standout songs for me are always the songs where she's kind of forlorn. Yes. Like Good Night and Go is one for me that I love. Not on this album. It's good to be in love. Fru Fru, which was on the 2002 album. I think, and then yes, she had another right. album, I think it was called t- 2009, there's a song called Half-Life on there, so good. The songs that I vibe with most were like all songs about unrequited love and like being like a sad girl who's just like just a little strange. Also, she's really <laughs> tall and like statuesque and kind of like Amazonian. Yeah. It's like... I vibe with this. I like this. I like she has a certain, like a face that I can't describe. It's like somewhat inhuman. She's an, she's a, a, a dazzlingly stunning alien. Yes. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I've been listening to that album in the car a lot and just reminiscing about when I was like in sixth grade and thinking I like had so many emotions inside of me. Everything like, was like, a full drama. I was listening to that album on my green iPod color on the bus. Yes. Um, And and I'm not afraid to admit it. Girl, never be afraid. We that's why we're this is why we're gay. 
Yeah. Our, that, our iPod colors. That that <laughs> album, that technology made me gay. I had a <laughs> um a black Converse brand track jacket that I thought made <gasps> me so hardcore. Like I was like uh, I was like, I'm a goth. <laughs> oh, you were feeling her. Yeah. And then I was like, I need uh, some black rim glasses with my black Converse. <laughs> I told you about my pink and black number in middle school, right? No, but that sounds so good. Just a quick overview from foot to head, okay? The fl- the black le- fake leather flats with the zipper insert. Okay. The ill-fitting black jeans. Too tight? No, like baggy and tight. Oh, You know, so- like baggy in the crotch, but like really way too tight in my thigh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My body shape said no to all young child brands. Like it said, no, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You won't be fitting. Then after that was the pink and black zebra top where the pink was the white. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then a black vest with a black skinny tie from who you guessed it. (laughs) Hot topic. Hot topic. (laughs) And then I didn't have fingerless gloves. So I got a hot pink pair of tights and I cut them into fingerless gloves. Because um, in the words of Amy Poehler in Parks and Recreation, nothing says sexy like fingerless gloves. <laughs> That's right. With the little headband and a low-hanging ponytail. And you were listening to, like, Good Charlotte at the time. Good Charlotte, the Veronica's, <laughs> yeah. like... I feel yeah. so untouched right now. See you, breathe you, I want to be you. I walked into lunch thinking I was that bitch, okay? The hair was like... Uh, and Imogene Heap. I mean, I listened to those two songs, Hide and Seek, and the moment I said it, all the time on my yeah. iPod. Those are the only. I was never an album girl back then. I just heard yeah. songs, and I never like was like, oh, there's probably more songs that I like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no. You you cherry picked as a kid because you were like, this is the one I'm going to listen to 72 times. Because I had the moment in my life where it really mattered in yeah. everything that I did, and then it became part of who I am. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this I... is why I'm gay. I have been delighted to revisit Imogen Heap and Speak for Yourself as an album. Tell me what your weekly obsession is. Uh, Okay, so have you seen Silence of the Lambs? Yeah. Do you remember that song when he's like doing his whole moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the weirdness of it and just it it felt like something I've heard before. Do you know what song I'm talking about? (sighs) It's like on the tip of my tongue, but I've only seen that movie a handful of times. And I don't know that I remember that. So my weekly obsession this week is a song from Silence of the Lambs, okay? Okay. Uh, we were randomly listening to music five or six days ago, Angel and I, and she was just playing a bunch of kind of 90s synth pop, just uh-huh. got on, you know how things happen on Spotify. And we all of a sudden heard this song called Goodbye Horses, and Angel just threw it on, and I was like, wait, I know that song. It's one of those ingrained memories yeah, yeah. especially because silence of the lambs is like such a unsettling movie like you remember a lot of random things from it i think if yeah. you've seen it for the first time and like you love it but this song was written by a woman named q lazarus because we were listening to it and it's you can't really tell at first like the gender of the person not that it matters but like you just can't tell like anything about because mm-hmm. it's very again like music heavy the voice is kind of faded away and i was like They sound cool. Like, what do they look like? We just randomly looked at them up. This beautiful black woman from the 80s. And we found out she only wrote, like, two or three songs, and then she disappeared. Okay? And we were like, um, we need to know more. I just became very confused and, like, enamored by this person. She wrote this song and just went off the face of the earth after 
two other songs that she released and they're actually really good like she has a great power to her and i had never heard her music before except for that random song and like with me movies and songs they really like connect but i was just like wow this woman disappeared and i looked up on the reddit thread and there was a whole video about it and apparently people thought she had like died randomly find out she's like randomly a bus driver in staten island quote unquote and she's been there this whole time in the New York area, and she just changed her name. Damn. It just, like, kept taking twists and turns. I was <laughs> like, so they thought she was dead, but she's actually just randomly there. I don't believe that for a second. I think that's a lie. Liza Minnelli lies. Because in the music video that we watched, because we were like, we need to see the music video and see what this right. woman looks like singing. She's doing witchcraft in the music video. This is, like, a very, like, um... The theory that Avril Lavigne died. Yes. <laughs> and like some, there's like a body double. Right. And, but the thing is, no one even saw her. Like she quit the music scene. And apparently in the article, she's quote unquote, very happy being a bus driver and she doesn't want to sing anymore. I don't believe that for a fucking second. Um, so, like, not everybody has that like fame bug. Some people are just like, yeah, I wrote this song and I like it. But not even the fame bug. Like it just seemed from the way that she performed and sang that. You know, there was some passion there. I don't know. It just okay. was like random. But there's more. Okay. It, I feel like it's an, I went investigative mode because I was just like, this woman, I need to know more about her. What did she do? Why did she? Then I found out the song wasn't written by her. It was written by a random guy. And he got mad when she tried to get the rights to it and like banned her <laughs> from using the song. And I'm like, whoa. What, you like put a hit out on her? <laughs> I don't know. And I, maybe that's why she stopped playing. Yeah. Because of this guy. Another thing, though, this is the last thing to wrap it up. There's just a lot of points to this that I was just shook, okay? It's yeah. kind of out of order, but just a lot <laughs> of things happen. And I was like, okay, I swear I've seen her face before when I had watched the music video. And again, the music video was very, like, it wasn't even, like, quote-unquote, witchy. It just seemed like there was more than I was looking at. Like, she was actually performing some shit mm. on the screen. And I was like, um, are you feel Like, I actually was, like, unsettled by what I was watching. Mm. But the last thing was a connection, actually, a gay connection. This is what brings it all back, okay? Okay. High school, senior year. I'm taking a political science class. We watch a movie called Philadelphia. Have you seen this movie? No. It's, <laughs> we watched this in high school, okay, in 2014, about Tom Hanks playing a gay man with AIDS dying, wrongfully killed, wrongfully fired from his job for being gay and having wrongfully AIDS. killed. Sorry, I I just, <laughs> you can kill him if it's right. Just wrongfully killed. <laughs> no, a man who's been fired for being gay and having AIDS okay. apparently, and she randomly performs in the movie. She's just in the background. No, she's at like a party that they're at. The fuck. And she's singing, and that's, like, the only live recording of her that I found. Huh. Like, she, there, there was nothing I could find on YouTube. This is, like, a really a really twist, twisty and turny road. <laughs> I'm like, who is Q Lazarus? What happened? I want to know what happened. I couldn't find it. If anyone knows what happened to Q Lazarus, let me know. I You're need... in Staten Island, and you've been on that bus. Have <laughs> you seen that bitch? Who, there's a picture of her, but I don't believe it's her. Like, it doesn't look like her. Okay. Like, it looks kind of, but not enough. Not enough. It's like a body snatcher situation. <laughs> yes, so, I yeah. love driving a bus. So go watch Silence of the Lambs and look out for the scene where he tucks his pee-pee in and the song Goodbye Horses. <laughs> I kind of want to hear it now because, like, I, just, we just play it a little bit? Yeah, I'll play, I'll play some of it. Okay. It's the one that's like, ooh. 
You're like, that gave me absolutely, yes, giving me absolutely nothing. Yes, girl, give us nothing. Yes, girl. Ooh. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I mean, I remember the beat more than anything. Where he says, I'd fuck me. Yeah. I'd fuck me. Fucked up. That's a woman. A badass bitch. Come on, Alto. It's like very like Tracy Chapman energy. But like it's got that that synth. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like I just mean like the tone of her voice. So yeah, it's one of those. I don't know. It just random songs that don't really give me a lot. Like I'm I'm someone who sometimes is obsessed with like high, crazy Broadway, over the top, dramatic. But then also I'm just like I love beats and songs and melodies that literally gets stuck in the membrane of my brain. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. It it didn't mean a lot to me, but when I discovered that this woman was like possibly dead, like I just I want to know more and I'm unsettled by the fact that I don't have enough answers. I want to shake her hand. <laughs> Thank you for these songs. But actually, there are a couple other songs. If if that you, is you. If, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's like two or three pictures on Google. They're just repet. Like, Unprecedented. It's time for a tangent. So, was that you? No. So you oh, it's sh- just me shaking the table. Shaking shaking and Oh, it's, my, it's your, my water. <laughs> you're like, hello? Is there a spirit here that would like to contact us? Q Lazarus would like to talk to you. <laughs> okay, Q Lazarus. Grave. Exactly. Okay. Let's take a Oh, second. that swallow was a lot for me to hear. <laughs> I can't, I can't, like, have you ever listened to a podcast and, like, fully heard somebody just, like, mouth? <sighs> I, like, I feel angry when I hear people eating. Like, if people are eating too loudly in front of me, I get, like, pissed. You were, you saw my food earlier and you were so pissed. I, you thought no, I was going to eat. I, I thought went. you were going to eat literally while we were talking. No, and I, girl. Was like, I was like, I'm going to kill this bitch. No. I would... <laughs> You'd be like, stop talking about your. No, 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 no. We, I can't even like. I can't even have fun with it. I can't even pretend because even it'll pre- make me too angry. Like I will walk out of this room. I will leave. I will turn this car around. Oh God. Anyways, <laughs> no. Yeah, I made sure that didn't happen for you. Thank you. And for myself. Thank you. Yeah. I I know you respect yourself more than more than uh, you're above eating. Uh, during the podcast. <laughs> I'm a trash man. I live in the trash. I come out, I throw trash all over the all over the ring. And then I start eating garbage. No gum chewing on this bus. Oh, please <laughs> uh, cut it out immediately. Cut it out. Don't Dave Coulier me. Is that? Kim. What? Cut it out is a Dave Coulier thing from Full from Full House. Oh my god, why did I like <laughs> did you, wait, wait, wait. Did you know that the Alanis Morissette song, You Oughta Know, it's about is, him. is written about Dave Coulier? Why my entire childhood and like until right now did I think his name was pronounced like... Comp- Dave Collier? <laughs> yes! Or like Collier. Nope, it's Dave Coulier. Maybe I'm like slightly dyslexic. No, it's just he's probably Canadian and French Canadian at that. So Coulier. Oh. Wow, Revelations today. I Revelations 15. I just don't even know what to say about that wait a minute and wait. i knew that that was i knew that that was him from full house but i didn't know that was how he said his name i Hold was up. very shook just now so he was probably uh, if <gasps> so old yeah if jagged little pill came out when alanis morissette was 21 and she had already written that song how old was she when they were dating oh no <sighs> how old how old was what year was it when she was 21 93 
Okay. No. When did that album come out? We have it to came look out it 90, up. <laughs> oh, no. Jagged Little Pill came out in 1995. I know that for a fact. And if I'm wrong, you can slap me right now. So Dave Coulier was born 1959. Oh, God. He was old. Alanis Morissette was born. He was like in his 30s at least. 74. Okay. So he was 15 years older than her. Yeah. I mean. 21, 36. So He'd be 36. I. 35. I, I think like age gaps are not a huge deal to me. I think it, it's a matter of like where they fall. So you have, I think there is some space between the ages of 18 and 21 or 22 where it's just like, if you're not close to that age and there's a bigger gap there, there's a problem because there's like, right. You're still, your grain, your grain is still growing. Your brain <laughs> is still growing. Like you, you are not a fully functioning, fully formed adult and you don't have an adult brain yet. And I feel like that's kind of like, well, I mean, as you can see, the relationship didn't turn out well. So, yeah, not not great. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, you're just having too much fun in here, Kim. To deny me. I of the mess you left. I want to go home. <laughs> this is why I'm gay. Okay, so this week we chose Victor Victoria to watch. Clarification: You chose Victor Victoria, <laughs> and I came along for the ride, which was delightful. So, Victor Victoria is a huge part of why I'm gay. I think. Okay. My father showed me this movie. My father, I know. <laughs> if you're listening to this, Dad, I'm sorry, but like. You might be a little gay. <laughs> I mean, he he appreciates the queer culture, and he he's has got a, some a little gay taste in there. I think everyone should. Can I get an Where my people at? Where my people at? I think everyone does, but they repress it, and it's not even like gay. It's like flamboyance, which I think yeah. is a universal thing with anyone, no matter what your gender or whatever you think you are. Like that's something that you got to embrace. Mm-hmm. And my dad is in tune with that. He has a great taste in movies. He showed me this <laughs> when I was. Like, probably eight okay. or nine. <laughs> and it instantly became, like, the movie I would tell people is my favorite movie when I was a kid. When I, when I was, like, a middle school and elementary school child. Everyone was like, what's your favorite movie? Victor Victoria. <laughs> what? <laughs> These children were like, mine's Barney. I'm like, okay, bitch, I don't, I'm above this. I can't. Anyways, Julie Andrews. <laughs> <laughs> I watched this movie many times growing up, and it's an incredible story. So this is Victor Victoria, the 1982 classic by James Blake. That is the director. He's married to Dame Judy Andrews. Did you know? Judy. Did I say James Blake? You said James Blake and you said (laughs) Judy Andrews. Got old Judy Andrews, you know. Oh my God. Don't disrespect her I need to leave. I don't even deserve to. Okay, so. When you quite finished. Where's that lesbian card you have? <laughs> I take, it, <gasps> take it out of your wallet and give it to me. Have until... you seen it in person? <laughs> yes, of course I've seen it. I actually have a lesbian card in my wallet, so y'all aren't shit. Give that back until the end of the episode <laughs> when you've earned the right to keep it. <laughs> so the 1982 classic Victor Victoria <laughs> starring, starring Dame Julie Andrews. <laughs> I'm mouthing it at her just because I want to make sure she gets it right. Directed by Blake Edwards, who was married to Julie Andrews. Julie Andrews, baby, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so, gee, I love you so much, and I'm garbage. Um, 
It also stars one of my favorite actors who's from The Music Man. I don't know if you've seen The Music Man either. No. Did he play... Um, the Music Man, yeah. To- he did. <laughs> <laughs> no. Did he play Toddy? He did. Okay. Mr. Mr. Toddy. Yes. He was the gay man in the story, Mr. Robert Preston. And then James Garner from Support Your Local Gunfighter. And for more recent audiences, The Notebook. Oh, geez. He was the older man. Anyways, to finish off the starring cast, Miss Leslie Ann Warren, who you made a connection with this week. Yeah, yeah. She was in Clue. Did you enjoy her in this movie more than you did in Clue? Because you said you weren't too satisfied so, with what she was giving you. No, I think I think she was great in Clue. I don't want that to be misconstrued. <laughs> I thought she was excellent in Clue. Let's get it straight. Um, but I do think in my head, I was like, oh, that was Susan Sarandon. And I feel like that is disrespectful. So... Leslie Ann Warren is an amazing actress in her own right, and she continued to impress me in Victor Victoria. Great. You're like, anyways, <laughs> fuck off. It's an incredible movie. Basically, if you haven't seen it, I'm going to give you a very quick synopsis. It's just a struggling female soprano finds work playing a male female impersonator, but it complicates her personal life. That's what IMDb said. Yeah, so basically Julie Andrews is a woman, is a, is a woman. Pretending to be a man, pretending to be a woman. Yeah, so she's pretending to be a a, a lady <laughs> being presented by a man. Yeah, so she's in Gay Perry in the 30s. She's got nothing to show for any of her work. She's a coloratura soprano, can't get work. She auditions at this place, and then they don't take her, and she leaves. You see her begging for a man with a cannoli through the window. Like she's watch- That's one of my favorite parts of this movie to start off, the characters in the background of this movie. Yeah incredible the first thing you see in the first 10 minutes is her like watching a fat lard disgusting man like just pummel a cronoli and when i talk about this man i mean it's myself they, and how i eat food it was like the sounds he was making as he was eating stop it he like you could hear it in his breath every time he took a bite my favorite thing about all these scenes was how like overplayed her like hunger and frailty was like she yes. was like <laughs> so drunk she went oh, like she faints from watching him eat the cannoli she faints from watching him eat the cannoli and like every step she takes looks so laborious like no the best is when she lays back into the wall and she goes <sighs> where will i find food who am i what do i re- like who like what have i done in my life to desert like come on girl it's everything really melodramatic and i i like that's when i was kind of like yeah i'm on board you're totally buying it after that point because you're like oh she's giving us drama yeah (laughs) so she meets up with toddy because she ends up in a restaurant after she's kicked out by her landlord because she couldn't pay the rent he sees her through a window in a restaurant and is like i know this bitch i watched her audition for this club earlier in the movie so he walks in they get to talking she gets a shit ton of food and tries to get out of it by putting a cockroach in her salad that she found in the apartment chaos ensues <laughs> that scene is one of my favorites in the movie because there's so much like physical comedy throughout the yeah. entire movie but this part it's so funny like the woman screeching because it got in her foot like the things being thrown that bitch of a fucking waiter. Yeah. Love. See, again, the B characters. That waiter, such a bitch. And he comes back later in the movie. I love him so much. So they end up together in Toddy's apartment. They're warming up. And it's just like they're getting to become friends. And it's cute. And he's an old queen. And she's a young woman. And they just become pals. And they're talking and shit. How long have you been a homosexual? 
How long have you been a soprano? Then the next morning is when the catalyst happens. His ex-boyfriend walks in to get his clothes, but Julie Andrews has put on his clothes because her shit got shrunk from the rain. Goes and punches him. Then he's like, oh, like wearing a suit. He's like, oh, you can be a drag queen. I'm like, Julie Andrews, a drag queen? You're not buying it. But then you see it in the movie. Once she has that hair and like they give her that like fried little wig. Oh, my God. <laughs> they the, gave her... <laughs> the most horrific wig to start off the movie. Yeah, because she had like the illusion of long hair when we all know Julie Andrews had Sure. Hair all along. Did she always? I mean, I feel like it's it's been there for a while, but they're like, there's no way she had long hair prior to that movie starting. But. Exactly. So basically, I don't want to go through the whole movie because it's a lot of unnecessary shit. But Watch the biggest the, movie. Like, the biggest takeaways that I can say for the movie itself is that it's pretty progressive for its time. I think it's incredibly progressive. Like that movie, it was in 1982. I guess the thing that I pulled from it was like. There is a variety of gay life in it. Yes. So there's not just there's not someone who's typecast. It's it's like also the actor playing Toddy, what's his name? Robert Preston. Yeah. Um he gave like such a it was not a stereotypical gay performance. Mm-hmm. And there were so many characters in that movie that kind of like were played up because it's a movie and like you're supposed to do that, I guess, or like, right. but there were so there was a lot more nuance in their performances that that I was pleasantly surprised by for 1982. I just okay, so he's what some would consider like America's sweetheart performer, like male performer of that age. Right. So seeing him in that role, everyone just like like he just embodied it so much, which I love because a lot of times I don't know straight guys playing gay characters, it can come off kind of weird. Like, Birdcage sometimes is kind of weird because they're really doing the stereotype. (laughs) Yeah, that's really hammed up. So it's nice to see just, like, a gay guy that's not really doing anything but, like, chilling, you know what I mean? They also didn't really, like... They didn't mess around because, like, the movie starts and he's laying in bed with a man and you're just like, The first okay. scene. The first scene and you're like, okay, so we're not giving them the B characters. Like, they're part of the no, main this, act. Yeah. This movie is gay. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, there's a lot of conversations in it. There's so many funny lines. I just love anything that Toddy says. Like, he's always just got a quick quip. And then, of course, Miss Norma Cassidy. Hey, hi from Shy. She did that whole Chicago. Oh, my God. There's just so many good numbers. And that's some of the best stuff in the movie. Like, the numbers that they put on as yeah, Count and it's- Vince. What is it? Count Victor Grzynski. Polish count. Yeah, I I want to get your take on it because I've been kind of just talking about it. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed the movie and like I feel like you you kind of were like mm, you might not like it, but uh, just well, you weren't a huge fan of <laughs> of cabaret. Cabaret was boring. I'm sorry. Cabaret was like it wasn't gay enough. Yes. In, like in like its actual homosexuality, but like the gay references within cabaret, sure. They had that threesome though. Yeah, I was still tired i don't know like that movie like (laughs) that was in the 70s so it shows maybe a a big amount of change in just 10 years you know what i mean but i don't know there's just a lot of things that i connected with growing up with it and i just love it i want to talk about what i wanted from that movie versus what i got from that movie yes so i was delighted by the like the variety of like gay that we got in that movie um, I think my favorite relationship was was between Julie Andrews and Toddy. Absolutely, it, like it was it was good. It was genuine. Yeah, and like 
uh, the scene where like she goes back to his apartment. That was my favorite scene. And like we got to the end of that scene and I almost cried because it was just it was so nice. And there's something like we talked about it a little bit, but like the there's like this coziness and intimacy within certain spaces in in movies that we run into where like it's usually somebody's house, somebody's apartment, and it's usually like they're poor and they're scraping by. But like there's this like sense of like comfort in their own personal space. Julie Andrews' character, Victoria, like gets invited into and they both just are immediately very comfortable with one another. And like she's very flattered by his generosity. And it's really, really sweet. I felt that scene. I liked it a lot. And I think it made the rest of the movie believable for me because I don't know, like the idea of somebody hatching a scheme with you when they just met you is so strange. But that scene cemented it. Absolutely. Thank, that's exactly how I felt when I first watched it, I think, because when I was that age, you know, I didn't have any queer people in my life at all. So, like, it kind of was like that gay uncle vibe. That, yeah. Like kind of like that gay uncle helping you along, helping you figure things out. Like by watching that movie, that's kind of how I felt with him and watching the music man. Like I just, he's an incredible performer and he's so alive with his characters. So it's just, it's a, it's a treat to watch him play this character. Yeah. I think Julie Andrews, it's hard to steal a spotlight from her, but I think he was very charming and uh, he gave a really good performance and it was comedic, but somehow still very heartfelt and, I want to go I back to what it. you were saying about how you some the things you saw and what you wanted. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So the reason that I I mentioned that scene is because I was so excited about their relationship. Mm-hmm. I was so excited about their relationship. Um I also really like their relationship between Toddy and the bodyguard Bern, Bernstein. Yeah, uh, his nickname's Squash. Squash. <laughs> <laughs> Who I found out was some football player, so he's like some big butch dude. Yeah. And he kind of like gave the audience a little bit more of like the diversity of gay life in it because he was just like, yeah, I got to be butch because that's how you convince people you're not gay. Exactly. Which, I mean, is true. So I, I mean, I've never had that problem because I'm a fag. Right. But <laughs> yeah, visibly gay. Yeah, I mean, like, people see me and they're like, oh, yeah, whatever. And then they hear my voice and I sound like a woman. <laughs> and they're like, oh, oh, it's Kelly. Yeah. No, it's Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> but I, so the movie gives us all of these really sweet, queer, platonic relationships and romantic relationships. But then the movie decides to focus on the romantic relationship between Julie Andrews and the fucking dude. Yeah, so it really went south when she... There's another character, King Marshawn. He's the guy that James Garner plays. He... One of my favorite scenes I'm going to mention is, like, when he's watching Julie Andrews' first performance. Oh, baby, won't you play me the jazz hop? Maybe he's enamored by her. He's like, oh, he's so beautiful. And then Norma Cassidy's next to him like, oh, my God, I can't believe he's looking at this other woman. I feel so inferior. You know, that kind of thing. Then she rips off her wig to reveal that she's a man. And he's like, (gasps) he's visibly shaken. He's like, oh, no, I'm not gay. So, like, I think my favorite part about that reveal is, like, as a viewer, you're like, Julie Andrews is a beautiful woman. How could she ever be like, seen as a man? Like the reveal is not shocking to you as an like as a viewer of this movie, but I guess it is to the other people because she has short hair and they're like, must be a man. Like, yeah, like she has the most feminine, soft, like thin features. Yeah. Just 
very stupid. And if you're a trained singer, you know that like that's not what a falsetto man sounds like. Yeah, no, you, you like can't that's get a woman's there. voice. <laughs> like it doesn't sound like that. What the hell was that? B flat. But um, what I was going to say is my favorite scene in the movie about, like, the progressiveness of it that really shows that is how she's talking to King Marshawn after that scene. When, like, he goes backstage and she's like, well, prove to me you're a man. Like, I don't have to prove it to anyone. And I'm like, yes. Even though she's not a man, like, it just is a great understanding of how we should all treat different genders. Like, it it doesn't matter. Like, the expression doesn't matter. And it just... It was like a really poignant conversation that yeah. they had. Your problem, Mr. Marchand, is that you're preoccupied with stereotypes. I think it's as simple as you're one kind of man, I'm another. Yeah, I... Uh, like, the entire time we were watching it, I was just really surprised. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, we get movies that don't even have this much sensibility about them in 2020. Literally. Like, Love, Simon, Girl, Bye. What the fuck <laughs> is that shit? That's not, that's not real, honey. But yeah, I don't know. I just... She ends up going with him and... Quitting the drag thing. Now, I will say, probably not the best idea to, like, pretend to be a gay man in the 30s. I don't know. In France, it's a little more accepted than it would have been in the U.S. But, like, it's still, like, not ideal. But also, why are you giving up your performance and your money for a man? Yeah, and I felt like it was, like, kind of a convenient thing for her to be like, I'm tired of doing this. I'm tired of lying. And, I mean, like, sure, you're tired of lying, but, like... To be able to shed that is just kind of an example of, like, they can just shed it because it's a character. Yeah. So it's like, meh. But, you know, that's come that comes from understanding those things as an adult, too. You know yeah. what I mean? I also was not a fan of, like, his, like, intense desire to prove his heterosexuality by, like, trying to uncover that she was a woman because he just knew in his heart. That's the worst part of the movie when he, like, sneaks in her fucking hotel room and, like, watches her undress to make sure, oh, she's got titties and a vagina. (gasps) I did it. I knew I wasn't gay. Like, shut up. And then he's got that smug smile on him the rest of the time before she reveals to him. And he's like, and she's like, but I am a man after they kiss. And he said, I don't care. I'm like, yeah, you don't care because you know that she's not a man. Yeah. Uh, mm. You wouldn't have said that if you didn't know. And you literally watched her get naked. I hate that part. That I makes hate me. Men. S- I, thought- <laughs> I hate men. <laughs> I hate men. Oh, my God. They're the worst. Well, you know, those guys. I mean, he was part of the mob. That was what was like, you know, he's part of the Chicago mob. So he's like that extra macho guy. Yeah, and there was that also that like really throwaway subplot of like that private investigator. Why did they add that last scene in the middle of the final number? Yeah, I don't I don't care about that. So, yeah, the, the movie wraps. It's it's all about the fact that she's like, I don't need to prove who I am to love who I want. That's great for you. But then Toddy ends up with the bodyguard. And I'm like, that's cute. And I love that. But also, I'm like, of course, the only two other gay characters like ended up together to be paired off. I don't know. I mean, I think that's um, I might be wrong because I wasn't alive in the 80s. But I think there's a... There's a stereotype of gay promiscuity and the, the relationship that they formed seemed really genuine and sweet and like supportive. So I don't think that was a bad thing. Like I, I think they both showed genuine interest in each other, especially after like Toddy is shown to be basically like a sugar daddy <laughs> to the other guy. Right. But like the other guy was a player. Like it was just like a shitty relationship that was way more, um, typical of like uh gay debauchery in the 80s i would assume that's fair i mean you know i 
again, it was one of those things that like was a route for me to understand like queer relationships. Sure. And I definitely feel something different every time I've watched it. I haven't watched it in like five years until we watched it last yeah. week. And it really no, that's actually a lie. I <laughs> I forgot to mention I wrote a whole paper in class in college a couple years ago about this. And I read it today and it was like it was pretty good. I felt like I got I did a pretty good job explaining what I was trying to say. I mean, I kind of said it here. I, I mostly, you know, went for the idea that, like, she could just put on and take off this persona when, like, queer people could be killed. And, like, that frustrated me. And I kind of, like, poked holes in all of it. But at the end of the day, like, it's a pleasant movie and it doesn't need to be perfectly just. Well, I, I mean, yeah. It, it should, I, but it, it it isn't. And it's okay. And I don't think the movie needs to go that deep because i also think that we're looking at it in 2021 when you're like what what are the implications of all of this and like i I they couldn't go that deep and i really don't think that was anywhere on the radar i mean this movie won like oscars and like it was like pretty universally praised which is pretty impressive for a, a movie that was like this is gay this is what i think i think they did the thing at the end with her going with him because i think if they didn't it that, would have. It would have been bad. It would have been the bad. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that this is actually an old, I think, French story, <laughs> uh, yeah. um, and they they've remade it three times. So this was actually the third movie. Damn. And it was a book originally, I think. Mm. So like Victor et Victoria was like 1937, and then they did this again. But another thing that really sent me for a loop was I watched some of the musical version that they made. 10 years later. How was it? It was horrible. Oh, uh, damn. The thing is, like, it's such great source material. It's very, like, it's very colorful. It was so forced. Ugh. Like, Julie Andrews still played her. Wow. But she was older, and she didn't look like a young, frail, like, single woman. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, it, she was in her, I think, late 30s, early 40s when she did the original movie. So, like, mm. she was in her 50s playing, you know, someone who's probably in their 30s. So it just, like, I don't know, you could see the change in her face where, like, she was no longer a young woman. She was, like, a mom. So it just, like, didn't feel as... I don't know if that makes sense, but, like, the young... Like, her being younger made it feel more naive and honest. Right. Rather than, like, this Julie Andrews still playing a drag queen (laughs) 12 years later, like, looking almost like she did in The Princess Diaries. No, girl. Yeah. No, girl. (laughs) Like... It was cheesy, the music was bad, and none of the original cast was there except for her. No, Robert Preston made that movie. Like, the two of them together made that movie. Yeah. And Norma, and Leslie Ann Warren, she was so funny and unique. I, I think there there has to be a gay following for Leslie Ann Warren after the fact. Uh, I have to know if there is. <laughs> I don't know. Like, she, she, was, she was so, like, over the top and so, like, uh, sexy. Yes. <laughs> like... Chicago, Illinois is like a shiny toy. We'll have an hit. Yeah, I was surprised the movie in and of itself wasn't a musical, but it was a movie with performances, which is kind of like Cabaret did the same thing. I sometimes prefer that because sometimes the music, like they have to put a certain amount of songs in there. Sometimes they're bad. Like that's what I felt with the musical version. I was like, this is... This is unnecessary. Unnecessary. It was just right the way that it was done. And like, I don't know, just the... They have just such a, a good feeling of, like, a foggy 30s feel. Like, they really capture that. And I don't know. It just is – it's special to me. And I'm glad you enjoyed it because, again, I was worried. Yeah. I mean, 
Dirt. Only because I realized that cabaret, that ratio of performance and like gay shit to non-gay shit is so much less than this. Like this is a good yeah. even, I think, slate. There, there, I think there's more extravagance in this yes. movie too in comparison. I mean – we haven't talked about cabaret on this podcast, and I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't want, to. want to. I don't want to talk about cabaret on this podcast. And t- it's not why I'm gay. Yeah, no, it's it's like why I'm bored for two hours. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you literally fell asleep watching it. I did not fall asleep. I was just taking some long blinks. <laughs> some long five to ten minute blinks. I do before we like close the book on Victor Victoria. Okay. I do want to talk about gay exposure in movies yes. because like. I can't, I mean, I I fully don't have, you know, like deep historical knowledge of just like homosexuality in cinema. And like <laughs> it, it probably expands the breadth of, you know, film as it, you know, was created. But well, I took a class called Queer Cinema. I so think I did too. I just didn't pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I'm like, so these sorry. are the two things I care about the most and nothing else in school matters to me. Yeah. So I, I uh, of course, I soared. Sing, oh, of course. Sing. And, and <laughs> made strides in that class. No, sorry. Continue, though. I, I kind of wanted to, like, get your, like, temperature on what does seeing something in a movie do for your tolerance of it? Say you're just a – you're just like a normal straighty in 1982. Normal breeder. Yeah, and you go see this movie called Victor Victoria, and you don't really know much about gay people at all. Right. You don't have it. You don't. You don't. You know. You're not. You don't know any gay people who are out. Who fags like, aren't at the corner asking yeah. you for. <laughs> yeah, like y- you have no understanding of gay life at all. Right. And then you see this movie and you see positive portrayals um, of of queer people and queer life, and then you also just just see a variety of different types of queer people. So like there were lesbians in that movie. There there weren't any that took center stage, but there were some in the background. There were some lesbians. I think so. Oh, there. like at the club? Yeah, like like just kind of like background, like you know. There were a lot of silly B characters. I guess you know there was. I remember there were some lesbians in the front row. Yeah. At one part. What does that do for you as a viewer if you don't know anything about gay people? Like. Right. I mean, most of the time, people that are averted or against homosexuality is purely for, like, a lot of times, like, sodomy and, like, just the biblical reasoning that they somehow come up with isn't yeah. even truth. So it's like, I, I couldn't even tell you because I don't know how to think like that. Sure. But I think that for a normal audience, I mean, it was perfectly acceptable and not what they would consider perverse. Yeah. Or inappropriate. I mean, of course they would never show Toddy and Squash kissing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They didn't. I didn't think about that. They would never show that. Like, that's the line that they drew. They would never show, like, any sort of sexual connection. Did men kiss in that movie? Did any men kiss in that movie? That's a good that question. Wasn't... Maybe in that all-male dance hall there was some kissing? There, were, there, was, there was a lot of closeness. There was some caressing? Yeah, I mean, there was... I don't think anyone kissed, though. Damn. I mean... I think this movie was pushing boundaries in a lot of ways, and like that's what I'm saying. There was like a line that they knew they could draw that wouldn't be. Yeah, they, they were like, "We're going to get close, but we're not crossing it." <laughs> exactly. They were like, "We saw the line. We're not going to go over it, but like, good try." Yeah, and like I'm trying to think about like the the other movie that's like very definitively queer that comes to mind. I mean, from that time period is like The Birdcage. Right. I mean, that was the '90s. Well, but. the same year. The movie Tootsie came out. Have you ever seen that? I've seen Tootsie. So that was the same year. And there was actually another one about queerness. And I don't remember 
what the movie was called, but it all came out in 82. Huh. Because I know Mrs. Doubtfire was in the 90s, but like that's, that's not, not the same. It's not. That's it's so not. creepy when you think about it now. Like that I whole storyline. I love that movie though. Oh no, it's great, but like. It is. If you think about it. Yeah. If I like, was Sally Field, I would have been like, get the fuck away from my like, kids. <laughs> like I'm calling the police. Well, they say a man who has to buy a big car like that's trying to compensate for smaller genitals, is he? Oh, my God. Don't even mention Robin Williams in this room. We're going to have a whole episode on him, okay? I can't. I'm going to cry. I, I watched Mrs. Doubtfire recently and wept. Me too, like a month ago. Yeah. <laughs> Did we watch it on the same night without knowing it? Our, our minds just are melded. Just a greasy spoon. <laughs> it's just a grill. Just. Spoon. Without you. Oh, wait, I want to see if I can do Mr. Crab. Patties will be patties. The way. Can't go down this road. Not again. <laughs> Victor Victoria was a delight. If you haven't seen it, I would suggest watching it with somebody who is just as gay as you are. And if not gay, just um, just uh, enjoys Julie Andrews. <laughs> exactly. Dame Judy Andrews. Okay, Kelly, to finish. Did you say Judy again? <laughs> the disrespect in this room no, right now. No, I am garbage. I am a pile of garbage. Okay, to finish this episode off, <laughs> Kelly, what are you going to do this weekend that's gay? This weekend? Yeah. Uh, I am going to... I don't fucking know. You go. <laughs> I don't have an answer either. I was hoping to get something. <laughs> no. No. I need to think of an answer. No. This weekend, I'm going to be gay by going... Doing some yard work. <laughs> I actually am going to finish my outdoor furniture that I've been painting. That's pretty gay. That's yeah. gay for me. I'm a lesbian, so I get to do power tool things. And I thought you were American. I thought you were American. I thought you were American. What are you going to do that's gay, Kelly? I want to talk about that solar eclipse video because <laughs> I could talk about that. What solar? What? Oh, okay. We sh- <laughs> this is, we're going to table this for another time. Okay. This is why I'm gay with Kim and Kelly. I'm Kim. I'm Kelly, and this uh, has been a roller coaster of emotions today but i want to thank you for being on this journey with me thank you so much kelly thank you <laughs> this is why i'm gay yeah.